0: Okay. Yeah, All right. Sorry, we're, we're right back to the interview. So, you were talking about your, you know, you being in the cotton ecosystem and some other things you've been doing. Still, yeah. So As yeah. uh like I said, we were into cotton uh, from 20 years back until cotton uh,
1: production went down. So, we moved on to some other crops. Wakot, that is West African Cotton Company uh, Limited. Just to work out instead of West African cotton. And we, then, we now went into maize, rice, cotton, uh, mostly supporting still those who remained in cotton, sesame, and soya. In all this, what we do is a complete uh, value chain approach from seeds to agro inputs to extension to market access and a buyback program for the farmers. Um, today, uh, we probably say that we have over 50,000 farmers across each of these value chains um, doing different types of activities in different uh, locations. Then, wakot also continues doing some other agri-commodities uh, for export. Uh, so that is Workout. Uh Then, we have... Uh, Wafil, and agro-processing uh, company in Shagamu doing vegetable oil out. And this is a multi-seed uh, factory. When I say multi-seed, it processes all the oil seeds you can think of uh, that are available in Nigeria in order to get out vegetable oil. Because Nigeria, we have found out, is actually a uh, vegetable oil uh, shop in its uh, consumption. So it's actually a way to reduce the input uh, bill of food. Uh, we set up workout rice in Kebi, work rice in cultivating rice and processing it. Uh, today, after about five years and six years, let's say, in uh, in the process, we have taken the uh, foremost position. The football position in Nigeria has the foremost rice company, doing uh, production of over 240,000 metric tons of paddy, and probably we also claim to be the largest rice meal in Africa. Uh, This is uh, also there. Um, Then, we have a fertilizer uh, blending company. We are operating the adult state fertilizer blending company in uh, Hauji, the only uh, compound blending plant in Nigeria, it is just producing fertilizers. So, we do compound blend of fertilizers that are crop-specific, soil-specific, and probably region-specific. And uh, since we started this in 2018, we've actually been mo- moving in leaps and bounds. Uh, we're thinking of uh, a way to expand this to cover more than just Nigeria, because being the only compound blending plant, we can produce specific blends. Uh, And as you know, uh, Nigeria has changed from being um, an importer of fertilizers to probably a global player in the sector, and is looking forward to being the foremost uh, supplier of uh, urea, at least in it's the, the the African continent and will soon be able to cover the rest of uh, the world. So this is how it's happening.
0: Okay. Okay. I mean, thank you so much. Because <clears throat> a lot of people, when you look at Nigeria, they say, oh, what is really going on there? A lot is not going on. Uh, but with all you have said, you know, with, with your group, the TIG group, uh, <clears throat> the TGI group, a lot is going on. I want, I want you to, to say the direct impact of all of these activities on the farmers and the things you've done to be able to upgrade farmers in Nigeria.
1: Okay. Rifai. Um, thank you very much. You see, unlike many people who have been involved with farmers uh, in this country um, and also against all um, general media understanding that uh, farmers have not been doing well, we don't want to say that. First of all, there is no better partner in the Nigerian economy than the rural farmer. We know that, we understand that, we've practiced it, we've seen it uh, happening. And what do we uh, give to the farmer? First of all, like I said, when we go into um, an area or any of our crops, the first thing we do is to understand the nature of the terrain and the people behind it. And our understanding of the Nigerian farmer is that first and foremost, he's a progressive person. He's interested in expanding his uh, crops. He's interested in also making a living. He's interested in uh, earning and getting out of the poverty uh, um, vicious circle that he has been put in. So he, uh, as a person also, we have, we understand he's a very honest person. The rural farmer, regardless of location in this country, is a very honest person. Uh, so all these hype and stories that farmers, when they collect... Uh, or when they collect items, they don't pay back and so on. It is not true. So for the last five years of our experience in outgrower scheme in Nigeria, we have averaged 98.6% recovery rate. Hmm. 98.6% recovery rate. And these are the same rural farmers, everybody keeps saying oh they don't pay and then the risk goes high so the banks get scared and everybody runs away from supporting the rural farmer this we have been doing and we have been doing it very well we have also seen a situation where because of the support we get from the farmer and because of the support we put on the table we have seen the productivity on the land and the farmer in many cases has doubled in the last five years. Let's take, for instance, rice when we started it in Keddie. The average uh, production in a hectare of land is just about two tons per hectare of paddy. Today, our farmers are averaging four tons per hectare.
0: Hmm.
1: So that's...
0: How how are you able to achieve that? Good practices.
1: Very good practices. You see, the farmer is... Uh, Why is his production low? His production is low because, number one, he doesn't have an assured supply of inputs. He doesn't have a support in terms of preparing his land. He doesn't have the support in terms of information on the right times to do the right things. You understand. If all of these things are in place, he is given his inputs at the right time. He is given the advice of when to plant, when to weed, when to do this, when to do all of those things, and he does them right. When to harvest, how to uh, um, this how to, how how to uh, protect his crops from wastages after harvest. You know, post harvest losses. He does a very good job. And for us, who are eventually uh, buyers of the finished uh, produce that we will process, we will also teach him how best to keep those produce so that the machines that are going to process them would be happy also. So that I am able to produce the best quality rice rather than taking everything with trash and so on. So the farmer is. what i'm
0: saying yes i get you so it's just it's just so, those cultural changes you know and those culture exactly practices the
1: change in practices if he gets the right inputs at the right time and he's trained one of the first things we always do is immediately we get to a community we put them uh, through series of trainings one of which is farmer business school i mean We don't want him to start thinking he's just uh, a a tool. He's a businessman. We teach them uh, group formation and then they form themselves into groups, into cooperatives. We try to get access to, uh, to give them access to the technology that is available. Today, um, one of our key challenges is the penetration. In terms of uh, technology, the rural farmer doesn't, for instance, have access to internet wherein he would understand what is the climatic change to expect, when it's going to rain and so on. But then when we have them in groups, this information is disseminated to the group, so he knows when to uh, spread his fertilizer so that um, it gives him the maximum uh, uh, the same, the maximum yield or support that he wants. We, talk, we, we teach him when not to spray because if he does and he drains,
0: the rains will wash away the the, the inputs and then it will be useless. You understand? Yes. So he knows
1: these things. And then not too long ago, we started the financial inclusion program. The financial inclusion program is to say that, look, the farmer has been left out in the um, technologies of today. He's in the rural area, probably 50, 60 kilometers from the nearest bank. So, what does he require? Why does he have to put his money in the bank when he can't even reach it when he wants it? And we now thought of a process, and then the banks would have this fantastic KYC uh, setting that has been uh, established by their regulator. He must have a utility bill, he must have an ID card, uh, he must have a, a, a paper that will show that uh, he, he's living he, in a rented apartment or something. The village farmer lives in his own house, he's not renting. He doesn't have electricity that gives him uh, electricity so there would be no nepa bill or water bill. He digs his well or digs his borehole and gets his own water. So how does he get a utility bill? He has a a postpaid, I mean a prepaid line that he only scratches a card and puts it so, I mean, Airtel or MTM or all the service providers know him only because he he puts in a recharge card. Mm -hmm. But they don't give him any paper to show that he is the owner and so the bank will recognize him. What did we do? We approached the um, the, the organizations and that gives NIN certificates to people, and we took them to the rural areas. They sat there for several weeks, registering our farmers and giving them NIN numbers. With your NIN number and your NIN certificate, you can go to the bank and start the process of KYC. That will now take you to have a BVN. Once you have a BVN, you can open a, a bank account. The next thing is how do we solve the problem of cash act availability in the rural area? This is another opportunity for the banks and financial inclusion systems to go to these rural areas, recruit young men, convert them to money agents, give them POS cards, Go round probably on a periodic basis, twice a week, once a week, either mop up cash from them or replenish their cash requirement. That's what is happening. Rural banking has taken another turn entirely. How do I mean? You you can then imagine if I am buying produce from these people, my cash requirement to meet with them in their villages, hand over cash in this era of insecurity becomes high mm. and unsustainable. But if they have bank accounts, you collect their produce, credit their account, instantly they see an alert. You want part of the cash, your POS uh, person, money agent is next to you. You can sit with him and give him all the list of people with their bank accounts that you want to pay your debt. And they also get an alert immediately, and then you take the little cash that you need for your weekly activity and that's it. And that reduces
0: my problems of uh, having to handle cash all this way. Okay, so pretty much with with this analogy, you've been able to build an ecosystem among farmers (laughs) using all sorts of methods, you know, sort of like taking the evangelism, you know, to them. So, but why is it still a challenge for us to be able to get very productive agricultural outcomes out of Nigeria? I mean, when we talk about Nigeria, we compare ourselves with countries like Netherlands that have small portions of land, but they are able to get tons and tons of millions of dollars out in agricultural outcome. How can Nigeria grow agriculturally and get those better outcomes? I think you
1: shouldn't be comparing us with um, countries like the Netherlands. Very small population, very small tracts of land. We have abundant land, we have large population. So why don't we not start comparing apples with oranges, but start comparing apples with apples? Let's say, compare ourselves with countries like India, for instance. Of course, India is much larger in terms of land size and population. Compare ourselves with Indonesia. Compare ourselves with uh, maybe... Um, Pakistan.
0: But, but all those countries you mentioned have better agricultural outcomes than us, that we have all the big sure. land and everything.
1: That is the problem. No, it's not true. The average farmer output is similar. It's quite similar. The issue is the volumes that they do, the depth. What we need to do is, like you said, replicate this issue that we have been doing, these things that we have been doing, replicate them over and over again. This country is large enough for all of us to do the same thing in our different localities. Once we are able to do that, TGI cannot do it alone. Let others also get into this same thing and build the same ecosystems and be able to do it. Once we start doing that, we'll be able to get those volumes that we are looking for. Today, Nigeria produces have enough processing capacity to feed itself on rice. But the party available is not there. We have about three times the processing capacity that uh, that, that is uh, uh, different. So the party is not there. Can we for instance, keep encouraging people, and I keep saying with our abundant population, it is not large scale commercial technology driven agriculture that is going to solve our problem. If you put one tractor on the land, you probably make 12 people lose their job. Why should we do that? We need those people to be active. So let's not Remember that we have to do tractorization. Why don't we do what we call appropriate technology? Can we do
0: labour, not labour saving, but maybe? But, but can we uh, can we use that to compete effectively in the wider world that is using a lot of science and technology, and they are getting ahead.
1: But you know, if um, that the wider world today, even if for instance they are buying um, highly. Uh, uh scientific produce the wider world is also turning natural it's going back natural going organic the soybean we produce in nigeria is completely non-gmo so when you sell the soybean meal in the world it attracts a premium for being non-gmo as against brazilian soya or the U.S. soya that comes into the market. When you want to feed, uh, produce animal feed, I get a premium producing non-GMO soya meal out of Nigeria. Do you understand? Yeah. So, I mean, we have to make our own choices. They may be difficult, but then we need to look at what do we really want to do? Do we want to uh, save... Uh, menial uh, effort by uh, going scientific and then getting people unemployed? Are they ready? Are we ready? No, we are not. Let's start from somewhere. Let's create more jobs. Let people be in the farm. Look, let me tell you something. Why don't we focus, for instance, today on making the youth that are very mobile, very and of course demographically the largest segment of the population back into agriculture let us prove to them that agriculture is as good as any other thing that they
0: can do how can we Especially how can we how can we bring the youth into agriculture just not being available. so how can we bring them into agriculture because they are looking at yeah, the I'm outcomes you, that are as a low let me
1: let me, let me give you this that also has happened in the area where we're doing planning. And I'll give you the economics. Today, a simple youth in the who has finished university, for instance, and can't find a government job, which is the type of job he's looking for, having got a degree. Get a piece of land, one hectare, and Through our support system and the support system we created in the group that they have, he's able to prepare his land. He gets the necessary inputs and they do the group uh, activity to support him with labor so that he can prepare the land and do all the necessary things. At the end of the day, he probably has an an obligation to... uh, to, to about of maybe about 300 and, 320 to 350,000 Naira for that one hectare of land. This constitutes his input requirement, his um, labor that he would have paid, which in his farmer business school he's taught uh, how to calculate all those things. And at the end of the day, he produces four tons of um, party that 4 tons is equivalent to about 1.2 to 1.3 million naira of um, uh, proceeds if he sells it in the market in the open market let me even not say uh, selling it to me or to any if he sells it in the open market he gets about 1.2 let's take the the minimum one point two million tons at three hundred thousand naira per uh, per ton. Are you with me? Yes, I'm with you. Then he nets out what he has spent to produce that four tons, three hundred and fifty. Let's even max it out to three hundred and fifty. He still would have close to eight hundred thousand naira as his profit. Now he doesn't need to now go over, uh, maybe to borrow more money to do it. And this, let's assume, is in the dry season. What we have found out, for instance, the dry season starts sometime in November and ends maybe latest by April. Do you understand? Yeah. So he has some spare cash in his hands. By April, he can prepare his land and wait for the rainy season to begin sometime in June. So he has a break of about a month and a half to two months. And then he starts the process all over again. Now, the economics also is that in the wet season where he has little control over some of the available uh, natural resources, for instance, rain, he may not be able to control the way the rain comes. So he might have a poor chance of having flood or a drought. So at the end of the day, we have seen over the years, his productivity would not be up to four tons, but it would probably be three tons. And at the end of the season in October, he sells his three tons and makes 900,000. But remember in this case he doesn't have any outstanding um debt, so to say. Because if he likes he can actually pay for his inputs. He doesn't even have to borrow from
0: me. You understand? Yes. So if he nets eight hundred thousand
1: with nine hundred thousand, that's one point seven million. Tell me which graduate makes one point seven million in a year
0: now, in this country. So, are you also accounting for the levels of insecurity? The fact that there could be clashes that affect his farm? What if his crop fails? What if all of those ones happen? Who buffers all of that for him?
1: Okay, first of all, let's talk about what if his crop fails. We have taught him in farmer business school how to ensure. In that three hundred and fifty thousand that I told you is his cost includes crop insurance. So that is taken care of. It's a risk. Nobody should uh, just discount it like that and assume it's not going to happen. Yes, it does happen. Yes, insecurity is prevalent in most parts of the northwest. I agree with you. And if he's doing it in probably some other regions, probably he gets the same uh, um, risk that he may not be able to do. But we have also seen, and this is generally uh, the case, most farmers, when they do these things in groups, they are able to co-secure themselves. The communities are not just folding their arms and waiting for security all the time from government. They set up security-conscious groups. They also set up vigilantes that would help in securing themselves. We've had experiences in some particular areas of the northwest, for instance in Zamfara, where they can't do. But then for me, Zamfara is not a rice-producing state as much as is, or as much as Sokoto, Rima, Bilingdiv area is where you have all the Goronyo uh, projects. These places, even the kidnappers don't bother to go. Because they are waterlogged, it will take them, uh, I mean, a difficult uh, terrain to be able to escape, even if they go. And party is not something that you go like maize maze where in the night you, you can go with your truck and harvest it on uh, for the farmer and escape with it. It doesn't happen like that. So we are also supposed to encourage local governments, state governments, and support the federal government in getting all these things in place. Yes, we can't continue to wait for security to improve before we go back to the farms. Because hunger will always drive you out anyway. All
0: right. I mean, you've said so much. And I know the TGI is a private group, but there are a lot of people that might be listening now that they're excited about agriculture, that they want to go into it. Is there like a channel, you know, to reach you guys for this support you were talking about or is only farmers nucleated in a certain part of the country? Okay.
1: Uh, first of all, we talk, we have an agro-input division that sells agro-inputs to the public. So if yours is maybe to trade in agricultural inputs, we have our doors open. We are setting up uh, what we call um, agri centers, work up agri centers, wherein they become aggregation units, units for training, and units where all the inputs can be sold. So we are doing that. Um, then, in those crops of interest to us, we are always open for partnerships and are always interested in discussing with uh, people who want to promote it. We are also, please uh, take this, and uh, this is very important, we are also ready to show people how it is done, so that they can go and replicate it elsewhere. I have heard situations where banks are unable to recover loans that they have given under all the uh, intervention programs of uh, government. They have been unable to recover. How are they unable to recover as banks, whereas as a private company, I'm recovering 98%? So they need to come and learn how it is done. Of course, it's not easy. I'm not saying it is. It took us. A number of years to perfect it to this level but then we shouldn't hold the monopoly of knowledge and say that we are not going to share it with anybody we want to we want these things replicated because nigeria is a great country and we have to continue to build it to become greater
0: okay th- thank you so much and and i really Say a very big thank you because I know somebody listening to this thank you so much. Will, will, will have been greatly inspired, and you know it's it's gonna help promote Nigeria, make Nigeria a whole lot better, and and help us achieve greatness across board in the also in the agricultural value chain. Thank you so much uh, for your time, and definitely I I know when this hits.